This is a Crib Room podcast. Bringing you industry news, views and happenings. Welcome back to another Crib Room podcast with Michael Worthington, who's the director of Worthy Parts. And Mike, we had the opportunity to sit in the Chamber of Minerals and Energy with a beautiful view overlooking the Swan River in Kings Park. And you caught up with a couple of very special guests recently. So we were able to catch up with the Miners Promise team and we got to interview Janine Mayrata and Dr Liz Vuletic, a couple of their team members who are very important to what Miners Promise do and obviously the Mining Legends project that we've recently held has supported Miners Promise but this today was more of an opportunity to talk about what Miners Promise do, uh, give people a better understanding, uh, give them a bit more of a voice and to try and get a few more people involved with the organisation. So let's backtrack because it's been just over 12 months since the Mining Legends project really came into fruition. But from your point of view, hearing the story and hearing where the funds that have been raised through the Mining Legends project have gone to, on the other side of it, because you ask all the questions and you're in the discussions here, just tell us how it felt to be you know, in this sort of environment to be able to talk to these people and seeing where these funds are going to. Oh, it's fantastic. And it all started for me uh, 18 months ago when I first heard about Miners Promise and what they do. Uh, But when I got to meet Sarah Garvey and she actually explained to me that it was not just a financial impact that Miners Promise provide, it's more of an emotional impact. Uh, the way they support families and it, it sort of hit home straight away and and anyone that we spoke to in regards to our 80 odd donors when we sort of spoke about where this proceeds would be going or half the proceeds would be going everyone was so willing to get on board and support it so i think it was so close to home to everyone who's got a family and, and they understand that if something happens to their family that they'd love no one better than mine has promised to be there to support them We'll get stuck into the Crib Room podcast. This is Michael Worthington with a little bit more on Miner's Promise. This is a Crib Room podcast. Hi, Janine. How are you going? Hi, Michael. I'm great. Thank you. Good to have you here today. Um, just wanted to talk a little bit about Miner's Promise and the Mining Legends project, which we've recently held in 2019. We were, we were lucky enough to partner with such a good establishment in Miner's Promise, and I see what you guys do is unbelievable. Um, and I suppose what we want to talk about is a little bit about how the Mining Legends Project and the funds that have been donated towards Miners Promise, how that's helped um, you guys at Miners Promise with working with all the families that you do. Yeah, thank you, Michael. Well, firstly, an enormous thanks to everyone from Mining Legends to um, incorporate Miners Promise as a, as a huge beneficiary of the funds raised. Um, the impact that it's had on our families in the mining resources sector has just been so significant. We've been able to support more families than we've ever supported. Um, we've been, the exposure has allowed more companies just to learn about us and learn about the um, unique nature of our support. Um, and to really assist families through a really tough year. You know, following 2019, we've, you know, we've all seen what 2020 has presented us with and um, the demand has been enormous and we've had a greater capacity to cope with that. So it's been wonderful. And it's not, from what I've learned, it's not just the financial side of things. Um, obviously, the, the money that goes towards is not necessarily directly involved going to the families, but more support workers to actually help families emotionally is what I understand. Oh yeah absolutely we're such a unique organisation when a family um, connects with Miners Promise we never assume to know what the family need the process is a step by step we walk the journey with them and together we navigate um, 
and uh, yeah, we navigate what the family needs. We we break it down a day by day, step by step process, and together we um, yeah we just slow it down for the family and and um, determine together you know how we can best work to getting the family through the adversity that they're facing. And 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 having said that, the the support reflects that it's very tailor made and um, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. We always have lovely rapports with our families. And yeah, it's that must be pretty tough. I'd imagine, like you'd you'd have to be a certain type of personality who can also walk into a family, and and deal with that. It must be quite an emotional job at times, but then rewarding at other times. Yeah, it can have its challenges. Um, however, minus from us, we're a really strong collective team, and so I feel the support backing them. That they all back me to sort of step in, and, and all the other family support advisors. We're all really supported in that role. And then, you know, we just have to manage our own well-being as well so that we're strong, so that we can support the people, the families that we, that we, uh, that we engage with. Definitely, I, I could imagine that. And, I mean, collectively as a team, it might be a little bit easier, but I can definitely imagine some of the situations. And, and it's not always um, death, as I understand it, that you guys get involved in. It's all types of different situations to support a family who are going through all sorts of different things. Yeah. Yeah, so when a family um, engages with Miners Promise, we're really able to determine with them what processes need to be arranged. And as we do that, that allows uh, space for the family to then grieve and accept the losses or the changes that they're then dealing with. And I think that's the enormous difference that Miners Promise makes. It's not just the practical support, but having that taken care of allows the family then to address the situation that they're needing to to process and and the strong emotions that go with that. And then we walk by the family side in developing some wellbeing, some resilience, just so that they can really feel supported in... in, um, and, and, And every family member supported as well because we all respond differently. We all have unique healing responses and so we work to really tailor it to every family member. Is there like, and I know, as you say, everyone's different, is there like a time period or is this ongoing? Because I know Leah, who you guys have helped in uh, yes, Calgary, yeah. I've heard Leah speak a couple of times yeah. now as well, and she, she loves you guys. And I don't know if there's ever a time period where you just say, okay, they're... Yeah, that case is no, done ex- It feels like no, no case is ever completely done. No, the rapport we develop is so unique and so special and it's something that I just hold so close to my heart. The, the connection goes on and it's maintained for, for months and into the years. We have a standing together support group, um, which we welcome families to, to join our gatherings um, biannually, either in Perth. Um, we have them in Perth. We also have them in Kalgoorlie and we're happy to have them all over WA pending demand and we're able at those points to meet and have a collective healing where people share their stories and I will continue to engage with families for years after we continue you know first have them on board and and it's that relationship that makes us so unique I think. And Miners Promise, as you say, it's it's WA based, but I believe nationally you can support people yes, nationally as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. I've got some families on the east in on the east coast that we engage with in some emotional support over the phone, and and really that advocacy support too. You know, I think that's the, a really um, a strong point to mention is that we can really um, advocate for families' needs and work with the community and, and work with the processes that they're needing to engage in so, again, they're not alone. And it's just breaking down those processes um, allows the family to feel, you know, to, this is what we need to do, these are the priorities, and just 
talking it through with someone else can make an enormous difference um, and then working as we can to help them sort of roll that. And geographical location really doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. It really doesn't. People just need one good confidant to to get through a crisis and we can be that for that person. You know, I feel like the mining companies would be right behind Miners Promise as well. It's not like they'll be working against it. If anything, they'd they'd love to partner with uh, an organisation such as yourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I think Helen's um, legacy is very much reflected in the work that we still do today, at, you know, 100%. In fact, you know, the connections that we have um, that we have with Helen and what she has um, instilled in our organisation um, is something that is just essential to the way we, we move forward. Helen's story is so significant and it was, you know, being a young widow at the age of 31 back in 1991, um, her dearest Steve was killed um, in Norseman and she was left widowed early 30s with um, three young children. She faced the, la- the biggest adversity you could ever imagine and she had very little support and that was very little. Uh, she, she had some emotional support but she didn't have the backing of a big you know, financial support. She didn't know where she was going to go. She was very, it was very, very difficult for her. And the way she forged forward and not only did that but, um, you know, created uh, Miner's Promise so that other people, um, you know, could, could uh, never go through what she, you know, has gone through essentially. Um, yeah, so yeah. She's, uh, she's an amazing woman and I'm really proud to continue with the work that she, you know, uh, initiated. And like we were saying before, there used to be almost a given that there would be workplace fatality and that there would be a certain number of lives lost every year. And Helen's work both in safety but then also in advocating for families looking after each other, for the workplace looking after the the employee and their families, has really seen a shift in the culture and the acceptance. And and that is, we're still in the process of, of that shift, but it's, you know, it's been enormous. Is it harder to get that message across to the younger generation? Like I, I sort of feel that my mindset shifted as soon as I had kids as such yeah. where I, I almost wanted to come home safe every night. But before that, I suppose I was just like a young young guy and, you know, maybe a little bit more of a risk taker as such. But the minute that you have children, it, it all makes sense to you. Yeah, yeah. Life has a lot more meaning and purpose and it it's does, bigger yeah. than just yourself, isn't it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's uh, it takes a little bit more to, to get through to the minds of the invincible amongst us and we all go through did that sort of stage when we're younger. Um, but I think there is a shift now because there is such a strong message upon safety and what that impact means um, not only for your life, but for your families and for your employer and their, or your sort of colleague and their families. You know, the impact, it's not, it goes well beyond. And that's one thing that Helen has definitely really um, emphasised in, um, in her advocating for Miners Promise and for safety is that um, you might be okay, but it's, it's the, the impact that is felt if something happens, you know, around you and that needs to be really honoured. Yep. Do you feel that? Um, by example of Miner's Promise when they help a family out, that word of mouth almost spreads throughout the whole workforce as yeah, such because that's I'm how sh- I've felt it has yeah, locally I'm back Yeah, I'm sure home. it does. Yeah. And I think the other thing that happens, and, I've, and I've, I've had this come firsthand from some of the companies, is it's fed back to them that immediately, you know, other people feel, feel supported because they know that their mate who's gone through something really tough um, received this support um, within the industry um, and then that is fed back through the whole community and everyone feels a greater sense of support and, 
and can just then relax in that. And then it just kind of changes that cultural shift, like we said, to be a little bit more positive and more about the whole person, not just about kind of, you know, wringing the cog out of every, you know, of what we can get from that person in the work sense. Exactly. It shifts it. Where do you see Miner's Promise in the future, at like the growth of Miner's Promise? Is it um, something like geographically or just the team within um, here in the office to, to grow and start dealing with other companies? Um, how can we spread the message a bit more about Miner's Promise and the work that they do? Yeah, well, our goal is that no family in the mining and resources set to go through an adversity, a significant crisis on their own. Um, however, we can reach those families is our goal, you know, through, through companies, through individual membership, through partnerships, um, you know, and the, the mining legends, what they were able to do, like I said, has, has the, and that exposure has allowed us to reach more families than ever before. And, you know, that's where we're going. Yeah. We're just going to continue to grow. And I think we had something like 80 different donors as such, but I think yeah. if you put that together with the amount of individuals who worked on that one project together, you're probably talking over 500 individual people that, you know, potentially worked on that machine, but then all of a sudden everyone knows a lot more about what Miners Promise do, and that's what we're here to do today because I see when you talk about families and helping people, your face lights up, and and that's obviously your passion. Um, And you were saying before, obviously, talking to people on the phone, you can build a bit of a rapport there. But, um, you know, people coming to Perth and everything like that and being able to help them out face-to-face. Yeah. I mean, it's always ideal when we can meet them face-to-face and that normally will happen at some point in the healing journey that we share with our families. Initially, if that doesn't happen straight away, um, we're very skilled at developing that rapport over the phone immediately. And that's not something that um, I see as a challenge or as an obstacle to supporting families. So no one is uh, should feel removed from ex- from um, connecting with our support because uh, we, 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 yeah, we're able to reach everybody. I've seen recently that there's been some big tier one miners get involved and and we won't name them but um in regards to these tier one miners getting involved you'd hope that that's got a flow-on effect with all the junior miners around wanting to be involved with organizations such as yourself i'd imagine that you've got a corporate team that go out and deal with these guys and present to these guys but once they'd hear what you guys do i can't imagine that they wouldn't want to be a part of it yeah yeah well that's what we're seeing and uh i think the the corporate, the big corporate and the bigger companies that are coming on board, it's setting an industry precedent that this is something that needs to be um, really considered as integral to the runnings of the mining and resources sector. This component of that is is so important that, um, you know, yeah, and then, and then it just filters through um, and the families can then call on us and they're supported from the moment they leave their door. Um, through our sponsorships, through to the the time they arrive on site, and the, it's support for themselves and for their whole families. So it's really valuing not just the individual worker, but their family within a whole industry. So it's individual and it's collective support, and um, and I think it's been really valued and really recognised. And I really, um, you know, applaud the big companies that are coming on board now because, like I said, I think it's changing the culture and valuing what needs to be valued. So. Big companies can obviously get involved, but can families and individuals get involved? And if so, how can they? Yeah, absolutely. Well, we have individual individual memberships also. So individuals can join up to Miners Promise and, and at that point they are able 
to receive um, support when they um, come across adversity. Um, and like we said, that support is emotional and practical and financial. And it's so unique, it's so tailor-made and it's um, incredibly um, rare and unique. And, and I think until you experience it, and, and I think also it's very reflective in the testimonials that are on our website, when you read those stories and you see the difference it makes, that's when you really understand the impact that Miners Promise has. Yeah, and I've seen that firsthand of some of the impact that you guys have had on some colleagues that I know. And as you say, until you see it or until you hear it, it yeah. probably doesn't quite make sense. Yes, exactly. I think once you are impacted by the support that we provide, that's when it all makes sense. And you think no one should go through this alone. And it's a real honour to sit in this um, position for Miners Promise and, and be the delivery of that support. Um, like I said, it's, it makes such an enormous difference in these lives. I, I recently had a, a beneficiary say to us, you know, Janine, Miners Promise saves lives. And we do. We step in and we're able to support people when they're not seeing hope. We're able to reframe. We're able to let them see that they're not alone and they can reframe, reassess and see hope again, find new hopes emerge, emerge in the face of adversity and we're able to, with giving that guidance and that support, um, walk that journey with them and, and start to have them see light at the end of the tunnel. How big is the team? Because I believe you've got a board of directors and some of that board of directors are from fairly big mining companies as well, which must help. Yeah, we have a significant board of directors and they're amazing people and they all bring their individual strength to the team. Um, and then we have a team of uh, family support advisors also that um, operate around WA. And uh, yeah, so we're a diverse set of people with uh, different skill sets and, and we, we come together. And like I said, we work really well together. We're very blessed and we all support each other in our individual roles. So we're halfway through this Crib Room podcast, Michael, and we've heard from Janine Mariata from Miners Promise and her support and her advice that she gives to families and to, to people to get them involved in the services of Miners Promise. How does that make you feel? To be honest, I had not heard of Miners Promise up until about 18 months ago. Uh, I was actually put onto them from KCGM originally because I believe they'd partnered up together. The more and more I hear about them, fantastic organisation, and I couldn't be prouder to be a part of helping them with their cause moving forward and potentially in the future. Um, I've seen firsthand what they've done and I'm a big sook these days and I think all of us blokes in the mining industry might act tough but I think deep down we're all big sooks and especially those of us that have got families and see what they these guys do. And their upcoming projects and they talk about resilience being a big thing and I know this is probably a new word that a lot of people are getting their head around that is being more resilient but more so on a mental capability than the, the physical or the business capability. Yeah, so the resilience side as you say is, is a big word that's getting used a lot these days but I think it's more about how you deal or how you cope with trauma or, or anything like that in your life and um, that's one thing that I've found out about Minus Promise is they're there to help you from an emotional point of view not so much financially financially always does help to a certain degree uh, but emotionally dealing with things when turmoil happens in your life Let's catch up now with Dr Liz Vulatich who's a clinical psychologist and also assisting with Minus Promise This is a Crib Room Podcast This is a Crib Room Podcast Liz, nice to have you here today. Thank you for having me. I suppose I want to start with just a little bit about yourself and your story and how you came about to work for Minus Promise and do what you do. 
Yeah, so uh, back in 2016, I was approached by the then general manager um, of Minus Promise at the time to see if I was interested in coming on the board. Um, at that stage, there was a lot of um, mining execs sitting on the, the board and so they were interested to bring on someone who had a mental health background um, and stumbled across me and, and somehow knew that I'd had a little bit of a, um, a link in with the mining sector at that point, um, doing some work. And I'd, I'd worked in my uni breaks at Cool Knobbing and um, up in Tom Price and so... Um, yeah, approached me to see if I was interested in, in coming on. And of course, um, was really, really excited because it is such a unique organisation and offers something within the mental health space, not direct mental health, but offers something to support mental health um, within the sector um, that no one else is doing. So I absolutely jumped at the chance and um, four years later, I'm still here. <laughs> so obviously mental health is a huge thing in the industry these days and we can touch on it a bit more in a sec, but in regards to your actual training and your your degree and your, your sort of day-to-day stuff? So I'm actually a clinical neuropsychologist. So I've got um, a master's degree in clinical neuropsychology. So a little bit different than what you might expect in the, um, in the mining sector specifically. Um, so I deal with a lot of um, individuals who have uh, brain-related dysfunction, um, so problems with their thinking or behaviour that's related to their brain. Um, but obviously, as part of my role, I'm a psychologist for, you know, for mostly um, and deal with a lot of individuals who um, experience adversity and have gone through a lot of trauma and crisis. And so I guess that's the, the skill set that the board were interested in bringing on um, when yep. I came in. So when the board brought you on, I'd imagine that you need a clinical psychologist after trauma, but I'd imagine now with the mining companies as well, there's a lot of people dealing with these sorts of issues even before they've had significant trauma as well. So are you in the before or the after? Is that where do you sit there? I think it's everywhere. Um, yeah, I think there's a huge um, opportunity for companies, particularly in the sector, to do some preventative work um, around building resilience. And that's one of the things that also attracted me to Miners Promise is because although we deal with uh, an event that is a crisis or a trauma, what that scaffolding does for an individual is to make them feel absolutely supported um, and not alone. Um, and then what that offers is, um, is a sense of resilience and safety for the next time that life throws something unexpected. Um, so when they feel, when an individual goes through um, an event, if they feel, you know, they've got a supportive family or um, a group of friends that are helping um, them work, walk through that journey. Um, the evidence suggests that they do better the next time round. If you're feeling isolated and alone through that, then that's when the wheels really fall off. And so that's what Miners Promise ultimately does. Even though we are um, often in the space of responding to an event or a crisis, by doing that, we build resilience, I believe. <laughs> And I mean, there is a lot of different, um, I see there's a lot of different organisations at the moment trying to work with the mental health space, not only just in the mining industry, but in industries in general. But I sort of feel like you've got mental health issues due to crisis and mental health issues just from even such things as FIFO and all that type of stuff, um, being away from your family. And that could be even your partner's got the mental health issues with you being away or you being up on site with those mental health issues and, you know, trying to deal with 
working a day job and you know having stress in your life as well so is that where in the future miners promise might be headed as well and i think we've we're just um rolling out a particular program that is is kind of targeting that kind of resilience building um, with one of the big tier one mining um, companies Um, and it's exactly around that is um, helping people understand um, how we respond to a stressful situation and ways in which we can protect ourselves against um, not coping with that in the future Um, so absolutely there's work to be done in that space and I think um, miners promise are quite unique you know, we're, we're a bit different to an EAP who often will come in and do a one-on-one individual um, support for a, a specific mental health issue. Um, we will do this kind of broad brush um, support that goes beyond that. Um, it's practical, it's financial, it's emotional, and it's also very much alongside, it's partnering with the individual, um, it kind of use a companioning model, and they never felt like we're done with them okay, you've had your three sessions and you're out. That's not how we work. And that's really exciting and, and um, a unique model. And I think it has a huge value and should be um, offered more widely. Yeah, definitely. Because I suppose there's a difference between just running a course on resilience and then actually what you do to back that up. Because I, I read something recently, it probably takes 21 days of constant reaffirmation in your brain to start changing the way that you actually think and if you just do a course on one day and then don't practice those in theory you know don't practice them again then you go back to the way that you normally think and particularly when crisis hits because you revert to what you've learnt for the many many you know 30 40 years before that (laughs) so you know to be able to actually utilize and learn those skills in the midst of a crisis um, and see the value of it is going to be really powerful learning Do you feel the mining companies at the moment are really looking for solutions to these sorts of situations when I talk about mental health? Yeah, Yeah. I think that um, there's some really exciting change happening in the culture. I mean, there's still some work to be done, but um, the culture, there's a real focus on on mental health and and suicide in particular is, is, you know, a big um, concern, not just within mining sector, across a range of sectors in general. Um, But the the mining sector is so good at standing up and and taking notice and putting, you know, actually being so aware of this has an impact on our workforce, um, this matters to us and we need to start doing something about it. Um, so there's more conversations to be had, I think, around ways that we can all collaborate to help scaffold the communities that work in mining to um, safeguard them better. But definitely there's, there's a shift happening. Is there any sort of similarities that you see when when we talk about mental health and everything like that? Is there similarities that seem to be, is is it an age range of people? Is it a lifestyle? Is it anything like that? Well, there's a whole range of factors that come into mental health and it's complex. You know, they can start at our earliest beginnings. But there are factors that we know, the science tells us that there are factors that impact upon our mental health and, you know, sleep, um, substance abuse, um, stress, chronic stress. um, And those factors can be stuff that we can look at as as an industry and modulate. But there's also, that takes a real cultural shift. If you think about, you know, traditionally in mining, you work hard, you work long hours, you go home, you play hard and you spend your money. You know, you get paid well for doing that. And so that culture is going to take some time, even if the, the you know, the corporates are trying to instill change in that or are willing to support change, there is still um, that 
legacy of culture that takes some time to shift. So, see, I'm I'm probably in this space at the moment where I'm learning a bit more about this type of stuff because the the mining industry guys are on you know, and not just guys, sorry, but the the people who work there are could be on anywhere between one hundred and fifty to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. And anyone who's not in the industry goes, well, what have they got to be upset about? They've got so much money. It's not about that. Um, and one thing that I'm learning even about resilience and sometimes I've, what I've read is people get more, uh, more out of giving than they do from receiving and that's what, you know, the resilience project that I just read recently is all about as well. So, yeah, that's, that's from a mining perspective. I sort of feel like the mining industry, sometimes people can be so negative in it. That's what, you know, working as a diesel mechanic, that's what you – the culture sometimes on site is a very negative type culture, but trying to, as you say, a culture shift, trying to change people to become more positive people. I, I, it can't just be one person. Yeah. It's almost got to be a whole culture. And the stigma is starting to reduce, I think, around mental health as well. People are talking about it. There's, you know, mates in mining, there's there's a lot of um, organisations going out having those conversations and, um, and people are more open to that. And I think the more we can build on those relationships and work together, um, the better we scaffold and support each other, um, the better our mental health will be. You know, belonging and feeling like you're not alone is um, a critical part of um, resilience building. So the the resilience one that you're actually doing is this something that you've released yet, or are you still working on releasing? It's just in the it's it's just started with scoping the actual um, full delivery, but um, it's it's just about to be rolled out in the next couple of weeks. So, and we hope that once we've kind of finished that particular project, um, and it's got a quite a quite a significant reach, that we'll be able to offer that to other tier one mining firms as well, um, because there's huge value in it. Yeah, and as you say, the stigma around that, if you had to release that maybe 10 years ago, it might not have been yeah. as widely accepted yeah. as what it is might these days. might not have days. been readiness for that, yeah. yeah. Or, or the corporate awareness of their responsibility and their role in, in supporting their staff, you know, beyond what happens in the office or on the mine or in the workplace. Well, I reckon uh, these big execs that you talk about as well, I reckon they'd be more accepting of it these days because if you look at an exec, how often they're not home either, they're probably going through the same issues themselves as what the workers are, but you probably don't see that as a worker on the ground level yeah. as to how often it's that just, exec has not been home for the last month. Yeah. Um, so I know I know that we did speak about the donations that the Mining Legends Project have provided. Has it helped your department? Oh, incredibly. Um, the, the whole Mining Legends thing, the concept of it was brilliant and um, what it's done for Miners Promise is incredible. And we've got some really exciting initiatives that we um, are looking to roll out. But we've been able to reach um, more in, more families and provide that direct crisis support to those families. But we've also been able to expand upon some of our more community-based um, engagement and support strategies. And um, so uh, Janine mentioned about the Standing Together events um, and and we're looking to now roll those out to um, more family and child specific um, operations so what we find is you know we can support uh, in those standing together events they're very kind of adult adult based but um, Janine's feedback from the community was you know these kids are also grieving and going through their own adjustment to what's happened and it would be wonderful to offer this service to the children yeah I suppose you don't think about that you help you help the parents and you're hoping and by helping that, the parents, you, that you helps hope, yeah, down the line, exactly. but sometimes, you know. And we will directly yeah. assist, you know, the whole family, but as a group, you know, that peer kind of support and shared journey is so valuable. So we're, um, we're going to roll that out 
to um, the, the children of the Bree families as well. Do you treat people as a within your degree? Is there different ways to treat adults to children? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's different approaches, and there's certain things that you would tackle in a different way. Um, and so, and that's the the beauty of having the team of FSAs that we've got. Um, we can kind of tap into specific skill sets and training to make to ensure there's the kind of best fit for that particular service or support offering. And how many people are in your team? So we've got three FSAs on our team at the moment um, and if the need arises then we'll, we'll certainly be grabbing a few more um, and then we've got the two admin support staff as well. In, in regards to what does affect mental health and what we spoke about previously, I'd imagine that one of the biggest issues on site, if you're doing 14 hours a day, you're up at 4am, you you go to the wet mess or you, not the wet mess, sorry, you, you go. You go <laughs> I you, hope you're yeah, not in the wet mess. No, if you finish a night shift. Therein lies the problem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, yeah, you, you, you wake up early, you go have breakfast, you get on the bus, you go to site, you do your six till six, then you come back, you, you share up, get a feed. You know, either some people, whether they can have beers or not, but you, you're basically in bed again by 8 or 9 o'clock, give the family a quick call, do it all over again. And if you're doing a week on, week off, or two weeks on, two weeks off, and if you're one of those people that struggle to sleep and all of a sudden you're up again at 4 o'clock in the morning, has that got a massive impact on Yeah, you? sleep is so critical um, for our whole health and mental health. And um, you probably need to bring out beautiful Cass Edwards to come and talk about sleep specifically because um, I know she's done some really interesting stuff with um, one of the mines in, in Cal um, looking at the safety stats of, of um, treating sleep and helping miners to get effective sleep um, around their schedules because some of that scheduling stuff can be quite difficult for, for companies to work with. But yes, yeah, sleep is an absolute critical factor in, in good mental health um, and quality sleep in particular. So it may not necessarily be all about quantity, but about the good quality sleep. And things like alcohol, um, stress and whatnot can impact on the, the ability that, and the body to get quality sleep and that good REM sleep that's going to make you feel refreshed and your brain alert and whatnot, which is so critical for safety So and mental health. Yeah. So we could bring in a siesta on all these mine sites in the <laughs> afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be wonderful to see more mining companies um, and people in the sector taking up what we can offer um, and and getting that word out there of, of understanding exactly what we do and the value that that brings. Um, we all get very excited about it here and the families that have utilised and engaged in our service also do and they stay with us, you know, for, for years and years and years. And we've got families that um, would have started with Helen Fitzroy, you know, 10 years ago that we still have a relationship with. Um, so being able to bring that to the sector more broadly and for people to really understand what, what we do um, would be so important. The other thing for me personally that I would love to see as my legacy for um, my role on the board is to actually, I'm a scientist and I'm a bit of a nerd, I would love to be able to quantify and actually do some research on, um, on the model that we have and how that translates into building resilience and how that translates also for um, for companies and communities into um, a tangible benefit. Um, so that's a, um, a wish list of mine and we're in conversations with one of the universities about trying to get that off the ground. So it'd, nice, it'd be nice to see that eventuate. When we talk about resilience, is it easier to teach that resilience at a younger age or is it easier to 
do it when people are willing to listen? I, well, yeah, that willingness to listen is, and readiness is kind of important. But I think um, as a community, if people feel supported, no matter what is happening in their life, they will automatically develop some level of resilience. So I think the earlier we can support and make people feel safe and, and secure, that that will carry on through life. Sometimes we don't get that right and we have to come in later, but I would say that if, you know, if we can kind of scaffold and support whole families with young kids, whatever, um, going through a difficult time, that is going to translate in, in their lifetime and their future children's lifetime. So, yeah. and I think that's why, why Miners Promise is such a, um, there is such a strong focus on family. You know, we are part of that extended family for our, um, our beneficiaries. Yeah, no, I'd, the only reason I say that is because I'm a bit more open-minded these days with more life experience, but I was a bit more of a closed black and white type book in my young years and everything seems simple life seems simple until it's not simple anymore and yeah and that's where i feel like when you're ready to listen and learn uh it's probably easier to get through to people than it is when they're just not interested trying to talk to my 11 year old daughter she just it's like <laughs> staring blankly at me like i don't want to listen to yeah, you. yeah and that's when the conversation is different you know it may not be a direct conversation about teaching but it's maybe about demonstrating that you know I've had dad's had a stressful day and this is how I cope with it and that modeling of how you respond to stress and crisis and trauma is what teaches kids resilience if that makes sense yeah. part of it um so um they watch and they learn they may not tell you that they do <laughs> yeah, so from your side of things you know the the adults is obviously where you've got a passion but is there and I'm just we've probably covered this as well but I just sort of feel like the the younger generation and when I talk about the negativity in the mining industry it's almost if you I don't know how to get to people to, to stop them being so negative and trying to change people's mindset because I feel like we're in the luckiest country in the world and then all of a sudden everyone thinks it's the worst place to be because you know of, of what we're doing but that's almost a resilience thing that should be almost getting taught from a younger age that we're, you know, take, take things for what they are. Yeah. How good is it to live in Perth or live <laughs> in Kalgoorlie or, you know, And that optimism can kind of also be a protective factor against, you know, an event that could be considered stressful too. Um, so it would be nice to see a shift in that for sure and have that kind of more positive um, workplace environments and culture as you say but that's a I, I think that's a work in progress and I think there is definite shift happening and it, and it varies from company to company too I'd imagine you could have you know one one manager there that puts a negativity through the group or one that puts positivity through the group so yeah it'd be an ever ever evolving ever changing environment I suppose so yeah that's something else that we've sort of um would be nice I, I you know I've been reflecting on this year and and 2020 being um throwing some different challenges at us as a as a world you know globally um but the impact of covid on the national fifo workforce and how that's played out on the changes in relationships that we have with other people with our work um with our employers um and so you know that space is something that i think probably needs a little bit more tailored attention um and we would certainly look to we, we're in a position at minus promise to be able to um, help tackle that that kind of level of crisis i'd say did that put you under more pressure this year covid not specifically, but I do think that 
moving forward, you know, given this kind of new program that we're about to roll out, that could equally be applied in to the national FIFO workforce, for example, um, and would be a great um, add-on to what's already being done. You know, there was a lot of work in the EAP space. The companies were doing an incredible job of trying to manage that, um, and it was an evolving and changing beast. But um, now, with hindsight of what's happened this year, you know, we could certainly build in um, and use what we know about responding to crisis um, and do that a bit more collectively for, for a national FIFO workforce. The Crib Room series of podcasts are produced by Industry Link Media. Subscribe to podcasts via your audio platform and via industrylinkmedia.com.